Jesus was stable, but his circumstances were not stable. In fact, uh, Jesus' life was a roller coaster. Jesus was baptized and, and the heavens were opened and his father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's like he was saying, that's my boy. This moment of great affirmation, a major high point. But then immediately the spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. Talk about a low point. But then Jesus was successful and the angels were ministering to him. Talk about a high point. But then he went and preached a sermon in his hometown and they tried to throw him off a cliff. Talk about a low point. You look at Jesus' life and it was an absolute roller coaster, yet Jesus was the most stable person to ever live. How? He built his life on the Word of God. That's how. He who is himself called the Word was perfectly obedient to the Word. He built his life on the word of God. And you know, some of you are coming in here this morning and your lives are roller coasters. Maybe you've been having a lot of ups and downs lately. And I think we, we try to prepare for the chaos that comes with life. It's why we plan. It's why we save money and buy insurance and save for retirement and do all these things is because life is chaotic and we crave stability, don't we? We crave stability in our lives. If you want true stability in your life today, resolve to do this. Obey the Word of God. It really is that simple. That's where true stability comes from. And that's what Jesus is teaching us this morning. This is the take-home message. Stability flows from submission to the Word. Stability flows from submission to the Word. Jesus, uh, who was speaking this parable... He said elsewhere in Luke, in Luke eleven twenty eight, he said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. In other words, the blessing isn't just in the hearing, the blessing is in the doing. That's where stability comes from. So we're going to walk through these four verses, verse by verse. I just want to point out three things to you this morning. And here is... Uh, place number one that stability flows from. Stability flows from integrity. Stability flows from integrity. Now, verse 46 is really concise, but man, Jesus packs a powerful punch with this one. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You could preach a whole sermon on that verse, right? In other words, why don't our actions match our words. Jesus is calling out those of us who profess but don't practice. Pastor J.C. Ryle put it this way. He said, open sin and open unbelief slays its thousands, but profession without practice slays its ten thousands. Isn't that true? This is a big issue for us as Christians. And even for those who emphatically claim Jesus to be their Lord, they don't just say it once, they say it twice. That's emphatic. Lord, Lord, but don't practice what they preach, it means very little. It means very little. It reminds me of a command uh, in the Old Testament that you might be familiar with. Uh, it says, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Right? That's a famous one. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And what immediately comes to mind for me when I hear that is those little phrases, right? Don't say those little phrases. 
And that is a way that we take the name of the Lord our God in vain. But it means much more than that. In fact, in the Hebrew, that same command could be translated, don't bear God's name falsely. Or don't bear God's name in an empty manner. Or don't say, Lord, Lord, and not do what the Bible says. Right? That's what Jesus is getting at here. Uh, In fact, I was looking at a study this week from 2021, uh, and it said of the entire U.S. population, 63% in, in 2021 claimed to be Christian. So that would be 210 out of 332 million people. And so when I read that, and then I look at our country, I go, why are we so unchristian if so many people are Christians? Well, it's because so many of us say, Lord, Lord, and don't do what he tells us to do, right? You know, it could be easy to miss here, but there is a great blessing for those who call Jesus Lord and do what he tells them. It's not bad to emphatically call Jesus Lord. That's not bad. But we're called to do what he tells us. And I love what Jesus said about this in John 14, uh, 23 and 24. You'll see it on the screen. Uh, Jesus said this. He said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. How amazing is that? The God of the universe making his home in us? And he says, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. The issue isn't whether God is willing to love us. The issue is whether we're willing to love God. And the way we show that we really love Him is we live lives of integrity. We do what He says. We obey the Word of God. That's where we have to start this morning. Stability flows from integrity. Here is place number two, and we're going to spend a little more time here uh, where stability flows from. Stability flows from discipleship. Discipleship. This is one of those big Christianese words we say a lot in the church, but if I put you on the spot, you probably would struggle to define it, right? And so we're going to define it here. Uh, And here Jesus wants us to look at the person who's doing the right thing in the parable, right? This is the person we should learn from. And and so Jesus says in in verses 47 and 48, uh, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. And the first time I saw verse 47, I thought to myself, what an amazing definition of discipleship. Whoever comes to me and hears my words and does them. Isn't that what it means to be a follower of Jesus? To come to him, to hear his word, and to do it? And so I want to give you three words here. I I worked hard to make them one-syllable words, okay? I want it to be as simple as possible um, so that you can leave here remembering it. I would call this the cycle of discipleship, okay? Seek, hear, do. Seek, hear, do do. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Let's talk about seek. So I went through the gospel of John 
And I counted up how many times Jesus mentions his father. And it was 109 times. You can fact check me on that. 109 times. That's more than five times per chapter. Wouldn't you say that Jesus sought his father? He said he was always about his father's work. He was rooted in his father's word. He was concerned only about his father's will. I mean, Jesus sought God. And if Jesus, who is perfect, who has never sinned, felt that he needed to seek God that much, or seek his father that much, right? Don't you think we need to? Don't you think we need to seek God and make time for him? You know, there's a guy in the Old Testament who's such a a great picture of this too. His name is Joshua. So Joshua was this guy who was an understudy of Moses. And and I would say that if you're going to replace Moses, you're filling some pretty big sandals. Wouldn't you say that too? So Joshua was probably a little bit, you know, nervous about that. And one of the first details we get about Joshua is that when Moses would be in the tent of meeting with the Lord, and then he would leave it says that Joshua would not depart from the tent. Isn't that the type of Christian you want to be? Someone who will not depart from the presence of the Lord? Who will be with the Lord, say, I need you today. I need you. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to seek Jesus. We we need to come to him. And then he said, whoever comes to me and hears my words. Now, Jesus himself said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it, right? So to hear his words is really to hear the Bible, to hear what the Bible says. And how can we do what the Bible says if we don't know what it says, right? I mean, isn't that why you're here at church this morning? I hope it is, to open up that Bible and hear what it says. And what you'll hear over and over again this morning is it's not just about hearing, it's about doing but we still need to hear. We still need to open it and hear what it says. When I was working in finance uh, in Chicago before I was in ministry, I would commute back and forth from Chicago and I just felt like I didn't have a lot of time. So what I started to do, would I would put my earphones in and I would listen to the Bible on audio. Okay? The Bible on the go, I guess you could say. So I would just like listen to books of the Bible on audio Uh, There was also this radio station called Moody Radio. Do they still have radio in cars? I think they do. Um, It was called Moody Radio, and they'd have these 30-minute sermons, and I would just devour those sermons. i just listen to them all the time. So that was a huge moment for me in my 20s where I really started to press into what the Lord said. But something else I learned is, is the only roadblock to hearing the Word is not our time. One of the roadblocks is that sometimes it really hurts. You ever read the Bible and are like, man, that's true and I'm not doing that right now. This hurts. You know, the Bible describes itself that way. It says it's like a cattle's prod, painful but helpful, pushing us forward, right? But I did resolve uh, at that point in my life that as bad as it hurts sometimes and and as much as it challenged my life sometimes, I was going to keep reading it. Because the Bible says discipline for the time seems to be painful. But in the end, it produces the fruit of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. You can look at our church right now. There are people here who've walked with Jesus for decades, read their Bibles for decades. What you see is people of righteousness and peace. 
because they've been trained by it. They've read it. They've been in it. And that's why every Sunday morning you come here to Prairie Bible Church, we're going to teach from the Word. Because if I don't teach from the Word, all I'm left with is this. And you don't want that. (laughs) We teach from the Word. We need to hear what God says. Because that's what's important. And the third part of this cycle is a really short word. Do. (laughs) That's what this parable is all about. Seek, hear, do. The blessing isn't in the hearing, it's in the doing, right? It's in doing what the Bible says. You know, Jesus had a brother named James. Really interesting guy. Um, We actually get a note in the Gospel of John that James uh, wasn't believing in Jesus during Jesus' ministry. But at some point later, uh, James came to believe in his brother as his Lord and Savior. Man, that would be tough, right? But James came to believe in Jesus, and James became what I would call the senior pastor of First Jerusalem Church. Okay, that first big church in Jerusalem, James was the pastor, and James wrote a letter that was all about doing. And who better to write about what it means to follow Jesus than the brother of Jesus who grew up with him, who heard how he talked, who who saw what he did. And so James writes all about this idea of hearing and doing. And so you'll see this up on the screen, James 1, 22 through 25. Here's what James said. He said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The blessing isn't in the hearing. The blessing is in the doing. I love how uh, this parable describes doers of the word. It says they are like those who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. I think about our students at Prairie Bible Church. Maybe you're on summer break now, but you know what it's like to be stressed about a test. In fact, I think all of us know what it's like to be stressed about a test. And so students, maybe uh, you, know, you go to God and you pray for help with this test and, and then you remember what his word says. It says, diligence is a person's precious possession. In other words, study for your test. And so you study and the test goes well. You know what that's like? Taking one more scoop and digging a little bit deeper and the foundation of following the Lord, right? Young adults, maybe you're at that stage of life where you're looking for a partner to marry. And maybe you meet someone and they just check every single box and you're really attracted to them, but you realize that they don't have a relationship with the Lord. And so you go to God about this and you remember His Word says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so as hard as it is, you break that relationship off and, and that's tough. But you know what that's like? Taking a big scoop and building a rock-solid foundation. Parents, maybe you're dealing with a child that's hard to deal with and you're disciplining them and and you know that it's going to mess with the comfort of the relationship, okay? To tell them the truth, to tell them what the Word of God says is going to make the relationship have some tension. 
But you remember that scripture that says, train up a child in the way they should go, and in the end, they will not depart from it. So you sit your kid down, and you tell them the truth, even when it's hard. You know what that's like? Another scoop. Digging a little bit deeper. Maybe uh, your kids are out of the house, or you're a grandparent now, and maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And, you know, but you're dealing with some discouragement, some disillusionment. Maybe you're having health problems and, and you're struggling to hang on. But you go to the Word of God and it says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. If you do not give up. And so you wake up the next morning and you say, I'm going to keep seeking God. I'm going to stay in His Word. I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus. You know what that's like? Taking another scoop. Or... Maybe you wake up on Sunday morning and you're really, really tired and you want to hit the snooze button. But you remember the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. And so you get to church, you know? So that's like taking another scoop and going a little bit deeper with Jesus. You get my point? What I found in my own life is that one scoop doesn't seem that deep. But after a year two years, five years, some people here would tell you 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you have a real deep foundation built on the rock, right? And so let's keep taking those scoops. Some are easier than others, but let's keep taking those scoops. Because integrity flows from, or stability flows from integrity and stability flows from discipleship. Here's the final one. Stability flows from obedience. Now in verse 49, Jesus is going to turn our attention to the person who, who did not do what they should do. Okay? And he says this. He says, But the one who hears and does not do them, the Word of God, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. What you notice here is that the flood came to both houses. Because floods are inevitable. Storms are inevitable. What I mean is adversity in life. It's inevitable. You know, either you're in a flood this morning, you're coming out of a flood, or you're going into a flood. It applies to all of us. But what you do to prepare for that flood is what matters. You notice that the house fell immediately. There wasn't time to just start digging real fast and get your foundation right when the flood came. So how do we prepare for the flood? By being in the Word of God and doing what it says. Because floods reveal character, don't they? They reveal where we're at. But something else I've learned is, is that many of us come to Christ out of a crisis. I mean, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know, I am in a flood and I'm being submerged and I haven't been in the Word of God or I haven't been doing what it says. Here's what I found about our Lord. He's a God of truth, but He's also a God of grace. And if you will turn to Jesus this morning and submit your life to Him, it's like He's able to hold back that flood. We know that. And give us time to start digging. So even if you're coming to Christ out of a crisis this morning, resolve to leave here and dig that deep foundation on Christ. You know, someday there will be the ultimate representation of this parable when Jesus returns. 
at the final judgment. And there will only be one true foundation. His name is Jesus. And everybody without that foundation will be swept away. It's just what the Bible says. In other words, if you do not submit to Jesus, you will be submerged. If you do not submit, you will be submerged. It's what the Bible says. And so what does it mean to turn to Jesus? You're going to see Matthew 7.21 up on the screen there. Uh, Interestingly, this parable occurs in Matthew as well. And just a couple verses before that, we see this verse. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And what is the will of the Father? Well, look at John 6.40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. That is the true foundation. It's why Jesus is called the Word, right? And what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, it means to hear the gospel message and believe in Jesus through the gospel. We talk about the gospel every week here at Prairie Bible Church. So if you're getting sick of it, I don't care. We're going to keep telling you what it says. (laughs) The gospel is the message that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, uh, the Son of God, walked this earth. He lived a perfect and sinless life. And he was unjustly put to death on the Roman cross. But because he was perfect and sinless, death could not hold him down. No, on the third day, he rose again. He appeared to his followers as evidence of the resurrection. Then he ascended to heaven, where he is seated at the right hand of God, where all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth has been given to him, so that every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the gospel. And someday he's coming back. The gospel also teaches us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, when you compare yourself to other people around you, sometimes you might be a little bit better, sometimes a little bit worse. But when you compare yourself to a holy, just, and righteous God, we all fall short. We've all sinned against God. And so a penalty had to be paid. But that's why Jesus died on the cross. He paid our penalty as the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God. And when you turn to Jesus, when you turn toward Him, that's what repentance means, to turn and place your faith, hope, and trust, not in your finished work, but His, something amazing happens. It's called the great exchange. Your sin is reckoned to His account on the cross, dealt with, paid for, and His righteousness is reckoned to your account. And so now you can come before the throne of God. What an amazing, what an amazing thing that is. And so that's the ultimate foundation. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you done that? You can do that on your own. You can do that with me in the prayer room after service. But don't leave here until you've built your house on the rock. Band, you can come up. Sometimes on Saturdays, uh, my wife and I, we like to go for a run. And something I've been trying to do when I preach is really open up my heart um, and ask the Lord, even after all my preparation is done, Lord, is, is there anything you want me to say that maybe I just haven't seen 
uh, in these verses. And what he put on my heart yesterday was that this isn't just about us as individuals. It's also about the church. It's also about the church. What does it mean to have a church built on the rock, right? And it's a unique time for us to be talking about this because a lot's going on here. You know, God has blessed us with growth and sometimes I have to remind myself that's a good problem, right? Even though it can be stressful. But, you know, we have a really important meeting after church next week and we're talking about our building. But I know I speak for Pastor Craig when I say this. Both of us feel this way. That if Prairie Bible Church isn't built on the rock, if it isn't built on the Word of God, it doesn't matter how nice our building is. The flood will sweep it away. But if we build our house on this, Jesus has promised us, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we are committed to the word of God here and we will remain committed to the word of God here. I'm going to be over in the prayer room if any of you need prayer this morning.